0: Jesus, lead us to your cross. Help us to come to you and surrender everything that we have to you, Lord. Even when life seems difficult and chaotic, help us to surrender to you because that's how we can overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Well, welcome back to the final week of our series called Hot Mess. I hope you've been with us for all three weeks, but if you haven't, if this is your first week for this series, well, then you've picked a good one to come to because we've saved quite possibly the most important topic for last. You know, it was, I think, last fall I got up here and I talked to you about how I had been struggling about how I felt like I had been in a desert and I didn't quite know what to do. And if I'm honest with you this morning, not a whole lot has changed. Have you ever felt like you've lost intimacy with God? Have you ever felt like you just didn't know what to do, what your future held, what, what your role in a church is or whatever it is? I've felt that. I've Still felt that. I don't know what my continued role here is and what what I should do and what I shouldn't do. But when you feel like you've lost intimacy, there are things that you can do. Maybe you've been in that position before. Maybe you're here today and you're currently exploring Jesus for the very first time. Now, for others of you, maybe you've been a follower for Jesus for a long time. But you've encountered seasons. Seasons where you've felt your intimacy go through hard times. it, it harder than others. And either way, I want to talk with you this morning about some practical steps that we can take when we hit these points. And my hope is that each of, the, each of them will help you to either discover a personal relationship with Jesus, or to get back to a thriving relationship with him. But I want to begin with a question. If you feel like your faith is a hot mess, if you feel like it's out of control, that it's chaotic, that it's disconnected, then we must ask ourselves this, what has been my what, and what has been my why? Two curious questions that will reveal some big things about our current season of life. You see, the Bible makes it clear that we, what we spend our time doing matters. It also helps us to understand that why we do what we do also matters. See, there's a section of Scripture that, where Jesus is preaching a sermon. Some would argue that it's his greatest sermon, and I can assure you it's better than anything I have ever preached from this stage. And in this sermon, he covers a lot of important material, clearing up some popular misconceptions for his listeners. And I want to look at one thing he says in particular when talking about prayer. Matthew chapter 6 says, And when you pray, do not be like those Hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. Now, you you may see that word hypocrites and wonder, who is Jesus talking about? Scholars usually point to the Pharisees as his intended target with that phrase. You see, the Pharisees and other religious leaders, they were the religious teachers at that time. They thought of themselves highly, even to the point where they often elevated their own status, in the religious community above those who may have had some public sin in their life. And Jesus says that these Pharisees were hypocrites. Why? Well, that very word is the very reason. You see, these Pharisees had the right what, but with the wrong why. Have we been doing all the right things But with all the wrong motives Maybe it looks like coming to church just to check that box to say that you were here Making an appearance to allow people to think that yep, he's religious. He was at church See that kind of lifestyle can be draining And see this was the very lifestyle that the pharisees were living they would stand on the street corners, Jesus says, and they would pray out loud, making themselves sound holier than they actually were. Then they would show up at the synagogues, a place of worship just like this one, where everyone could see them. See, if your faith is a hot mess, it may be due to, to doing and saying all the right things with all the wrong motives. See, that's why it's important for us to question our motives. Think about it this way. Think about your shadow. Your shadow follows you wherever you go. You can never get away from it. And as we all have a shadow side to the things that we do, there's a less than godly motive behind our daily decisions sometimes. And if we're not careful we can allow these wrong motives to present themselves within our spiritual lives. But maybe for you, maybe it's not about readdressing the why that causes your faith to be a hot mess. Maybe you've figured out your motives are usually the right ones. Maybe for you, it has to do with your posture when reading and studying Scripture. See, the Bible is, after all, without a doubt, God's message. And that message of the gospel is seen clearly throughout the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And when we sit down with the Bible, we will learn something from it every time. But here's the reality. Anything that we read first goes into our heads into our minds see it is our responsibility to allow those words to not just stay in our mind but to allow those words to sink down into our hearts colossians 3:16 says let the message of christ dwell among you richly as you you teach and admonish one another with all the wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Paul calls us to to allow this book, the Bible, to saturate every single part of our life. And the only way for that to happen is if we take what we read and let it get into our hearts then what dwells in our hearts will be produced out into our daily lives. But is this how we actually read the Bible? Think about it. See, for years I would read the Bible through in a year, but if I'm honest, now what I do, I've been listening to the Dwell Audio Bible app, and I listen to the Bible as I'm driving, but I often find myself maybe this applies to you. I often find myself thinking about the tasks for the day instead of focusing on the Word. And as such, I miss the beauty of the moment of God's Word. If if I only view the Bible as a means of crafting sermons, then I would view the Bible as only a source for your life rather than also for mine. And I would rarely or never be convicted when reading something in the Bible. There would be no real transformation that comes from my time in the Word. It wouldn't be transformative. And that's why James says this, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. This isn't one of those things that puts your faith into a position of a hot mess overnight. Instead, it's a slow but sure transition from intimacy with God to merely knowledge about him. Similarly, maybe you've come here today, you're, you're, you're watching online, and you have a lot of knowledge about Jesus, but you don't know him personally. And there's a huge difference between those two positions, knowing him personally and just knowing about him. It's important to be in God's word each and every day, not just so that we can quote more Bible verses to our friends and our family, but more importantly, most importantly, so that we can experience the transformative power personally in our lives this was truly how change will happen. Chances are, even though we have talked about some practical steps, honestly, throughout this entire series, you may still be wondering, what can I do from here to keep that strong relationship with Jesus? And I would tell you, tell someone. This includes two different conversations. The first has to do with your community who cares about you and who wants to encourage you in your walk with him. Now, this is not some new development just now. Instead, it's something that the early church modeled for us. Acts chapter 2 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, this segment of Scripture comes just after the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit powerfully came upon the believers meeting together. See, in a season when we feel like we've lost intimacy and we've lost passion of our faith, we must return to the community that God has given us. Who are those people in your life? Who are the people that you count on when you are struggling? Maybe the first step for you today is to text or call several of those people who have become that type of community for you and to thank them, to ask them to continue to meet with you day after day, week after week, and not just when you need it the most. But telling someone doesn't just refer to telling them about your current season or your current situation or your current struggles. There's also a wonderful privilege we receive from sharing our own stories with others to provide them encouragement as well. John chapter 9, he replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. This is one of the most incredible stories in all of Scripture. Jesus heals a man who was born blind. But when doing so, he's questioned by the religious leaders of the time as to how this healing happened. See, the the leaders are confused because what seems to be a miracle conflicts with what they think should have happened. You see, this guy that was healed was healed on the sabbath which means the person who healed him jesus to them must be a sinner but on the other hand how could a sinner heal a man make a man see who was born blind they couldn't understand the the controversy And upon being questioned, the man who was healed makes the profound statement here in verse 25. Simply put, he tells his story. I was blind, but now I see. See, if you follow Christ, you have a story. Each and every one of us has a story, a story of redemption. Our stories consist of who we used to be, who we are now, and Jesus who changed us. This is a story that God wants other people to hear. Maybe it will look like a coffee shop meeting with someone who's curious about your faith and telling them about what has happened in your life, even though maybe right now it might be a hot mess. Maybe instead it might be meeting with other parents at a, at a child's extracurricular activity and deepening a newfound friendship with another person. Whatever the case may be, God is calling you. He is calling me. He's calling each and every one of us to share our stories, our stories of redemption. Now, I I don't stand up here presuming to know exactly how your faith is this morning, but I can assure you that wherever you land, however you feel, God sees you, and he knows you. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly where you are. And we can go through long seasons where we feel that God is distant or probably more accurately, we are distant. Or we just don't have the motivation anymore to engage with Him. We can feel disconnected. We can feel confused. We can feel discouraged. And on some level, this is all natural and part of the ups and downs of life. But on the other hand, no one ever wants to feel this way about their faith. And the good news is that your faith doesn't have to be a hot mess. It can be a place of refreshing. It can be a place of healing. It can be a place of hope, which reminds me of something that Jesus said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. If you are weary, if you're burdened today, then you're in a good place. You're in the right place. Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Re-engage with Jesus today. Get back on the path and remember again why you decided to follow him in the first place. If you've never made that decision before, then today, today is a great day to begin your everlasting journey with Jesus. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Heavenly Father, life is chaotic. It's easy to put our faith on the back burner. It's easy to lose focus on that relationship with you. Help us today to re-engage with you, to reengage our faith, and to have that peace that only you can provide us. Help us to overcome a faith that's a hot mess. Help us to come to you because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. In Jesus' name, amen.